Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V, and back by popular demand, children's author, interviewer, co-host, is there anything this man can't do, Adrian J. Beck? <laughs> Speaking of what you can do, that is so relevant is, because we have the wonderful Michael Wagner and Heath McKenzie joining us on this episode, and they can do anything, including create a picture book called Can You Do This? I'm <laughs> so excited to chat with them all about it, Danny. So this is the theme of the podcast, isn't it? It is the theme of the podcast. We've got a little bit of a challenge. In fact, we're going to spring a challenge on you, Danny, oh. uh, to see we've got some skills. We can do all sorts of things, us three, and we're going to mix it up a bit and we're going to see if you can tell which skill belongs to which very talented young man. Today, we welcome children's author Michael Wagner. He's 70 plus. He's 70 plus. No, his <laughs> 70 plus titles include a series about the sporting adventures of Max Rumble, a family called The Undies, the acclaimed picture books Why I Love Footy, Why I Love Summer, and Bear McDen, and much, much more, including Pig Dude. Michael Wagner, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks, Danny. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having us on, on the show today. And I'm not over 70 yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long way off. <laughs> yeah, my, that must have been a typo. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was 70 plus titles of books, yes. perhaps. It's actually 80 plus. It's actually oh, 80 plus. Now. 80 plus. So not, not to correct you live or anything well, like that. But... Well, Michael, you might need to update your website. <laughs> oh, that could be the problem. <laughs> awkward. How awkward. And Michael, feel free, to, feel free to update me live all through the podcast because there'll be numerous occasions where you'll need to. I'm just uh, putting okay. the warning out there right now. Okay. Now, also joining us, we have Heath McKenzie, author, illustrator of many, many books, including the Do Not Open This Book series, and my personal favourite, I Want to Be a Pretty Princess, and we're going to talk about that, and many, 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 many more. How many are more. you, Heath? Many more. Hello. I'm well, thank you, and I'm also under 17. <laughs> <laughs> but are you at about 70 plus books? Because you, you wrote, last year you released 24 books because you had a, a, a male skewing and a female skewing book for every month of the year. Correct me yes, if I'm wrong. Yes, uh, they Well, yeah, look, uh, books-wise, I guess written ones are 20-something, 30-something, but uh, illustrated ones, uh, oh, a couple of hundred. Wow. That's a amazing. Lot of, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, it frightens me. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of work there. That There's a lot a of hard yakka. There is. There is. <laughs> Sitting here the grindstone chipping away <laughs> that's right i can imagine now for this book can you do this can one of you give us a quick elevator pitch as to what this fantastic picture book is about hey yeah. do you want me to do that oh please do please do 
Well, it's sort of like it's about sibling rivalry, really, mm. um, and about how sometimes the younger members of the of the family amongst the siblings can have a false impression of the capabilities of the older children in the family. Sometimes you think because someone's bigger or older or in some way more senior that perhaps they're a lot more skilled than you are. Mm. Um, and this book is having a lot of fun with the fact that perhaps that isn't always the case. And sometimes there's a little bit of bluff with the older older siblings as well about what they can and can't do. Mm. So it's about sibling rivalry but also about the fact that maybe you shouldn't have t t an overly uh, respectful attitude towards your elders. Respect them. <laughs> You know, respect that your elders, especially your older <laughs> brothers and sisters, but maybe don't see yourself as less than them. Oh, that's a good. That's a good message. Now, it's 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 inspired me to ask you. In fact, I want to guess actually, uh, sibling rivalry, where you two were in the pack. Well, now, I'm getting some vibes. Look. Let's have a look, Adrian, because you know there's been research stuff on this. So, like your, how your personality yeah, sort of your is affected or your birth order. So firstborns, perfectionist, bossy, controlling, yep. reliable. Oh, oh gosh, Michael's annoying. Definitely <laughs> annoying. Michael is definitely. <laughs> I think maybe that's the direction I'm heading for Michael. But what else? What else can you tell me? What can you tell me about the other ones, Danny? Well, middleborn, adaptable, independent, right. people pleaser. That's not Michael. They're no. the middle child. He's um, not interested in pleasing people. Yep, <laughs> fair enough. Rebellious and feels left out. Oh, is that the middle child? Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. That, that's your that's your Jan Brady type. What? Thing. Oh, right. So I'm Jan Brady. Okay, <laughs> hang on. Are you middle? Are you giving it away, I, Michael? I am the second same sex child, and oh. they're the ones with all the problems. <laughs> As we've just read out. Yes, yes exactly. Oh, gosh, it should have been obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll try and guess Heath. Okay. Um, the last born. Oh, how about this? Social, charming, uncomplicated, but, oh, man yes. but, but manipulative. Oh, there it is. What? But fun. <laughs> but fun. Yeah. Well, you're being manipulated, but you're enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like when you go to a, like a yoga session or a, or a, a, yeah. a Thai massage. In many ways, it's torturous it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, of course, you've got the only child, confident, conscientious, perfectionist, centre of attention, mature. Yeah. Sensitive and a leader. Well, do you want to have a, do you want to have a guess at Heath? Yeah, go on. I I get the feeling he might be he might be the youngest. Yeah, I'm going to go last born too. You think youngest? Not because he's manipulative, <laughs> but because he's fun, charming. And charming. Yes, he's social. Look, yeah. you, you you can't hide from the facts, can you? <laughs> Yes. Do we get it right? I'm the last born. One of only two, mind you. There's no middle child situation. <laughs> We're so amazing. I'm the um. The younger brother to an older sister. Yes. Oh, I see. Hey, do you guys want to guess Danny? Yeah, I'm gonna say Danny. <laughs> Just looking at Danny on yeah. Zoom here. Yeah. I think she's she's probably the second same-sex child as well, because you know <laughs> well, no, I'm getting it. Or possibly the oldest, I'm not sure, because there's all positive things about that as well. So so basically you're just naming all of them. <laughs> Well, that was the plan. Yeah, good one, good one. <laughs> I need to cover myself here. So, no, so I've got saying, no idea, Danny. Um, I don't. You don't strike me as the baby of the family. You're probably actually you're doing a podcast like this. You're probably the firstborn. Well, that's true. I am a firstborn. I'm going to go. Can I say only? Ooh. Because then you're also the firstborn. <laughs> ah. Heath, you've nailed it. Hey. He's nailed it. Oh, there you go. But technically, now, also the firstborn. <laughs> Yes, we're both, yes. We're, we're both winners here tonight. And, and uh, what about Adrian? What's Adrian? You guys know him, you but you don't me. know his birth order? No, me. but we could guess. Is no, he the Marsha? The Marsha, the Jan, or the Cindy, or the Danny? Oh, oh, I think he's the seventh born <laughs> <laughs> of seven boys. And is, does that, if the does last. Does that make born... me one of the seven dwarves? <laughs> yeah, you're <Yes>. grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I had another it. one for you, but it's too, too mean. Oh. <laughs> if you're the seventh last born, does that mean you you seek attention seven times more than? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. Uh, that's that's quite a guess from you. What about you, Heath? Have you got any idea? I feel like you're the youngest. Right. Hmm. 
Gee, I'm, a real, I'm a real sort of attention seeker, aren't I? Interesting. Oh, look, well, on. I'm going to go, well, I know, but yeah. uh, yeah. I think Adrian's quite bossy. Um... <laughs> First born. <laughs> First born, you got it. Yeah. I'm a bossy, I'm a bossy boots. He's I'm bossy, the uh, trailblazer, you know. Bossy, bossy yeah. achiever. Yeah. But you know what? For yours, it doesn't really have anything negative, which I need well, to get a better list because. No, that's just how it is, Danny. <laughs> I mean, boss is the kind of the, the least appealing one, but I actually think it's a good quality. So I'm going to rewrite yours. I'll have it by the end of the podcast. Yeah, we don't need to. <laughs> Thanks so much, Simon. Hey, Michael, <laughs> yes. given that you are the second born uh, or whatever it was, I forget, it was so long he ago. He was. He was He was the Jan Brady. Second yes. same sex yeah, child, yeah. Second, second boy. Yes. Uh, is that why you decided I need to write a book about these experiences that, that have always stayed with me? Is that where it came from? Well, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, this um, can you do this um, being about sibling rivalry, I think that's just sort of been brewing quietly for, you know, decades and because it, it all just came out at once, you know. It, yeah. often, some, often the best things you write, as yeah. you probably know, come out, sometimes they come out, they take weeks and months and years to, to actually form mm-hmm. and other times you sit down and you write it in five minutes or yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. But it's been brewing away you know, for a very long time. But, yeah. you know, when you write a story that's so silly, as silly as this, I think it means you've come to terms with the fact that you you <laughs> felt inferior to your older siblings. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like a, a full stop on that whole session of therapy. Closure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, tell me this. That's interesting that you've got to the, uh, the writing process. Um, when you write stuff really quick compared to when you it's painstaking and you've got to, you know, every word feels like blood from a stone, right? When you read back on it, can you tell which one came to you quick and which one you actually had to fight for? Or can you not tell when you read it back? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you probably can't tell because you do a bit of both regardless. So even if it comes quickly, you still agonise over it in the it later in the editorial process. Yeah. So even... So no matter how um, close to a final draft it was when it arrived, which is usually not very close, but sometimes it's not far off, yeah. you, you always labour over it anyway. You always try going this direction or that direction, coming back to what it was. So in the end, they're all laboured over extensively, even if they, their initial arrival was really quick. Yeah, okay, yeah. And... Um... Do you feel like your best ideas are the ones that come quick or you just you can't categorise them? Both of them turn out to be their own beasts eventually. Well, they. Uh, I think that the ideas that come quickly are either really good or really bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not helpful. Yeah, no, it doesn't help and you do not know. At the time they arrive, you have no clue. It all seems really good yeah. when they arrive and then it's only later when you think, that was a really bad idea. Uh, so, so you just, I don't know why the unconscious likes to trick us like that. I mean, you'd think it would be more reliable. If you're going to give someone an inspired idea, make it a good one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but it, it doesn't. It gives you good ideas and bad ideas and you never know quite what you've got. In fact, often you don't know until years later that, oh, that wasn't as good an idea as I thought it was. You know, it's been rejected by 27 publishers, but now I understand why. <laughs> so tell me with this one, did this did this come quick and uh, or has this one been, as you say, brewing for a long time? Well, it, it, it came quickly, but I think that the idea behind it was yep. brewing for a very long time. So, but the... The actual process of writing it, it's hardly got any words in it. It's carried entirely by Heath, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's just an idea, really, and, you know, maybe 100 or 200 words max. But um, it was just about assembling the idea into it, into a, a the most, you know, the best possible order rather than sort of pouring over the pros or waiting for pros to come. So mm. it came really quickly as an idea. And it formed itself really quickly and then it was just a matter of rearranging it until it was at its best possible shape. Mm, I love that. And, Heath, I read that your work is entirely freehand while also being entirely digital and you do your best to yes. keep it as real as possible. Can you Keep it real, man. Keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it real. I just Can want you... people to look at it and think it was real. <laughs> <laughs> well, nailed it. On a computer screen with a 
pen stylus thing. <laughs> but I try everything I use, all the, the, the brushes and stuff that I have access to, I try to, I learned how to use them for real when I was going through school. So I know how they work. And the computer program tried to make, replicate them as closely to reality as possible. So yeah. I, I know how they work so I can get the most out of them on the computer as best I can. So I try yeah. to use the tools. I try not to use too many cheats, basically. And little, you can do all sorts of things that could you could cheat with to make it all sorts of fancy. But I try and keep it as real. I try and keep little little mistakes, little happy accidents in there, mm. and all that sort of stuff. I try to keep it real. Yeah, I keep a lot of mistakes <laughs> in my work too. Heath. Um, yeah. Now, is, is it fair to feel more? <laughs> Uh, probably a lot more in mine than yours, to be honest. But um, so so you taught yourself practically. Is that what I, is that what I'm hearing? You taught yourself well, practically I, I your, all your art through school and all that. I yeah. I look. I was just just prior to computers being a, a bigger thing in the classrooms. I was they were appearing, but they weren't nearly as clever as they are now. Yeah. Uh, so it was all the real stuff: real paint, ink, chalk, pencil, paper, canvas, all that stuff. It was all real. So to so use all those techniques and. Hand them yeah. over to the computer. That's amazing. Now, why did you choose my favourite, one of my favourite animals? And I feel like it was probably Michael suggested this as a tribute to me uh, because I'm from Tasmania <laughs> and I know how much he, he rates me. So he probably said, hey, Heath, just as a tribute to one of my best mates, can you make it a Tassie devil? <laughs> so what, why did you, that is was, that true? Or was there another thinking behind that's it? I wasn't allowed to sign the contract until I agreed <laughs> for them to be Tasmanian devil. <laughs> no, look, that was me. I brought that to the table. I thought, um this is these characters are a bit cheeky i thought of cheeky devils it was my simple leap in logic and i, I like wanted to, we discussed um them being animals rather than people yeah and possibly australian animals and so i was certainly happy to run with that idea and i hadn't tasmanian devils i hadn't really worked that much with i thought they're ideal because they're you can these are cheeky characters doing uh cheeky things so a Tasmanian devil just seemed like the ideal choice. I did a little, I did, I did a rough concept of the devils that you appear in the book. And I did a rough concept of some dingo kids as well. And I was dingo. kind of no. hoping dingo. the devils would make it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they did. So that was good. I'd love to see what the dingoes look like. Were they a bit evil looking? But they weren't evil looking. They were sort of taller and leaner and more um, rectangular than these very round headed little things. So yeah, there was a very there were different shapes. So when did Michael five. find out that they were devils? When I sent through the character design ideas, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. So you That's... yeah we would have seen those and then discussed which ones do we prefer. Yeah, what... I saw the I saw the um, the dingoes as well, and um, I think that what you said about the shape was what influenced my thinking on it. Mm. Um, so my vote was for the cuter rounder. Uh, Taz Tazzy Devils, mm. <laughs> and, and of course, as a tribute to Adrian. Sometimes you forget to add that. Adrian, yeah. are you saying you're cute and round? <laughs> yes, I am. I don't know. I am. And I've, got, I've got a fairy nose too, which is which is uh, probably probably best not to talk That's about too much. Really? <laughs> so how did you guys? How did you, how did you guys work together on this? Like. Uh, did did because uh, Michael's known for writing writing a manuscript and then he walks off and he doesn't want to know anything about it anymore. And he's he's off to his next his next conquest. Now, did he pull that stunt with you, Heath, or was there a little bit of back and forth? <laughs> there was well, there was interesting. It was the back and forth was in that lucky like, like it was Michael was just explaining that how the story sort of came out fully formed, but then there was much sort of tweaking along the way. That tweaking was happening while I was coming up with the roughs. Yeah. So I'd get emails back saying, "Well, we've." change the text here on this page or that page or this page and it kept some pages just kept getting slight little tweaks to just refine it and they usually said it won't affect the illustrations which was fine by me so I just soldiered on and thought well you just you know what you're doing you're experts you do what you're doing with the text and I'll just do what I'm doing over here and if they marry up well then that's good and they did I think and can I, can I just add to that that I think I am a genuine nightmare to to work, <laughs> publish to publish because seriously I cannot leave the text alone through one reading until like to almost the printed printing stage. Right. <laughs> I just see it always see a word there. I always see a word that I want to change and uh, or a smoother way of doing it or that it was better before. Yes, <laughs> but but I do try very hard, Heath, not to actually affect the 
what's the content of the illustrations on the page just yes. <laughs> had very little effect there was some there was some rearranging of some elephant elements purely because of my own um poor design work so that was fine that was all on me that was good but yeah it's um it was a very harmonious working environment i it enjoyed was. myself very much yeah very rare very unusual <laughs> normally it's storm stormy everyone's yeah. sulking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting a real insight into how things are for you, Michael, which is, which is good. Oh, that's like just it. me, is it? Rocky, Rocky. Well, Michael, I wanted to ask you, you've collaborated with so many of my favourites, Gus Gordon, Tom Jellett, Terry Denton. What is collaboration? Adrian Beck. Adrian Beck. You collaborated <laughs> I, once with I said, Adrian Beck. I said favourites. Oh. Oh, <laughs> in the detail there. Yeah, I should have known. <laughs> And uh, the cute round fellow, Adrian Beck. <laughs> so what does, what does collaboration look like with different people? Oh, it varies hugely. And often I'm collaborating with people who aren't in the same state as me. Mm. So at best you'll have a single meeting, you know, or maybe two because um, it'll often involve flying and, you know, flying up for the day or whatever. Um, so there, usually that's done remotely so perhaps but also you know what publishers don't love to to have the um author and the illustrator in the same room too much mm. because yeah. um because it's better if stuff is kind of moderated by them on the way through because sometimes it without meaning to you can say something in a way that's kind of a bit thoughtless or harsh mm. Mm. um and so it's really great that the 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 editor or the publisher um moderates that and makes sure that it doesn't come out the way it accidentally would have otherwise. Mm. So, uh, but then again, I also, I do a little bit of self-publishing as a, as a hobby. And um, I work really closely with this illustrator called Wayne Bryant. And that is, that relationship is joyous because when we sit together and we encourage each other, we're really like stupid. You know, and like we, 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 sorry, Adrian. It's just hard to believe, Michael, but go, go. Continue. We came up together with a character who's a spleen, and his name's Steve McSpleen. And we were trying to, and we, this just, this just evolved out of a, out of us prompting each other or egging each other on with to be more ridiculous. And it, it's just, and he's a poet who, who, does not poetry a, in a jazz club. Not a very good one life. either from what I recall. What, what rhyme, there were plenty of things that rhyme with spleen. <laughs> well, yeah, his poetry's, um, he won't win anything major awards probably for a while, um, but but he's this. it's the silliest thing that I've ever invented and it's probably my favourite, one of my favourite things. That I've done. So, so that's a situation where he and I uh, collaborating together works really well. But I don't know that that would always be the case. And it would be sometimes. Um, I think it would be fair enough if an, if illustrators would sometimes not want to do that. And Heath, you speak for yourself on this, but because you know you don't want to get sort of pushed around mm. you know, mm. by the author. Yeah. yeah. And look, I don't think, you know, as a body part, the spleen has gotten enough spotlight, really. No. Yeah. So no, no. It's, it's the spleen's time to shine. Yes, that and the pancreas never get a mention, do they? They've found their champion. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, Heath, now you and I have collaborated on, on two books together, actually. Um, now, yeah. apart from me, and I was a bit of a nightmare like Michael, what is the collaboration process? <laughs> we we uh, Obviously, we did Alien Zoo and we had lots of... Um, optical illusions in it, which would have been an absolute nightmare to try and make <laughs> <were> it. What, <laughs> uh, what does it normally look like for you as an illustrator? It's normally very um, yeah, separate, distinct. You've got yeah. your author over there, your illustrator over there. It's by and large how I um, have, that's how it's been. That's how yeah. I've always usually experienced it. The, it may be, um, in sometimes you, you can chat a bit with authors along the way here and there or after certain phases of the project like the roughs may be done or, or the final art before editing you may um have a little bit of a word with them here and there but not much really the the, the only the one like rare exception for me is with the do not open this book books in mm. that andy is very 
very collaborative and very much wants to get together through every phase of the thing. So we'll sit down together through the, uh, we'll read the we'll read the story initially and go through that and make notes of what could be happening here, there and everywhere. And then I'll do some roughs and then we'll meet again and discuss those roughs. And so it goes on every step of the way. He's very, very hands-on and the publishers uh, sort of fosters that situation well. So it works well, but uh, that that is the one very rare outlier. Mm. Otherwise it's keep everyone apart. So that's Andy Lee, obviously how you work with Andy Lee. Have you ever sort of, when you when you do those um, collaborations together, have you ever sort of said to him, hey, Heath and Andy sounds just as good as Hamish and Andy. Have you ever said that? <laughs> no, I've, I've yet to cross that line. Right. I feel like I'm Next sort of, time. I'm a bit of a bargain basement Hamish, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> Probably best not to even rock that boat. Bargain basement. I love yeah, that. Look, if it ain't not right, at all. Let's not fix it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, we've got heaps of questions. We've got heaps of questions, haven't we, Danny? But um, so many. I'm just going to burst in here because, Danny, this is something you don't know about. And I love it when we do things you don't know about. <laughs> Always the way. Now, I I, uh, <laughs> I love this book. Can you do this? <laughs> and it's obviously, as we've been talking about, it's about sibling rivalry and it's about uh, the younger, in this case, the younger brother thinking, uh, wondering about whether he is up to scratch with the older brother. And they're both Tasmanian devils. But that's, you know, that's just by and by. It doesn't really matter. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, and so it got us thinking about some of the special skills that we have. Now, Whoa. we each came up with a special skill that we're very, very good at. Interesting. Um, and we thought <laughs> what we might do is uh, we've, we've, uh, got them in, we've got them in random order. And what we might do is we might get you, uh, Danny, to pick which person should say the say the school first, and then I want you to guess. Okay. Well, actually, so you can saying, ask a couple of questions. You're not you saying your own questions. one. We're not necessarily saying our own one, okay. but we might be because oh. we've mixed them up. Oh. So we're going to get through all three skills. Okay. Once you've asked us a couple of questions each, we're all. It's sort of like that. Would would I lie to you thing, mm. right? So, mm. and then when you get to the end of it, you have to allocate which skill belongs to which amazing guest on the podcast, okay? Are these so real skills or these are these are all, imaginary All three of them skills. are real skills that all one right. of us can do, but it's, uh, it's, it's I put them down in random order. And all so right. you tell I'm us ready. who you want to hear from first and then they will read the first one on my list here. Okay. Heath, I want you to go first, please. You've got an honest face. I have a list here. So I read the top one on the list, do That's I? That's right. And right. it may be Heath's. Maybe it may not be. Maybe not. All oh, right. yeah, because I chose the order. Oh, yes. this is crazy. Okay, I can do this. I can literally put my foot in my mouth all five toes. Just process that for a moment. Can you do that now? <laughs> Once I figure out, if I guess the right That's person who can do this, will that person do it? No, don't nod because then I know it's you, but I'll ask you to do that. All right, so your foot. Now the question, but if I ask the question, how will the person answer? Well, no, he's going to pretend that he's the person. <laughs> oh, okay. Just, and he knows? I'll just, I'll just he he knows if he's the person or not. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> he, hypothetically speaking, because you're all grown men with, I'm assuming, quite, you know, men-sized feet, oh, can, massive. You, sure, can you sure. still do that now? Or is that something you could do as a kid? But put the foot. We're not talking the entire foot, obviously. That Just would the be toes. Some sort of snake unhinging situation with my jaw. <laughs> yeah, that would be um, impressive. It says the, you know, the toes, up to what you might call the knuckles of the toe, I guess. The knuckle also, of the toe. But yeah, that also that, means yeah. that you're quite flexible, Heath. So that's also a flexibility thing. One does that's interesting. So she's weighing us up in terms of flexibility, Michael. Flexibility. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are more flexible than they look. Yeah. Well, it's been a while. Who is the gymnast amongst us? Okay. I haven't had cause to put my toes in my mouth for a while. But, you know. Also, I just want to add, whoever can do that is really gross. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I don't think it's COVID safe, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I do it with a mask on. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you got to sanitise the toes first, but yeah, then yeah. you go for it. In know. between the toes. Far away. Yeah. Delicious. All right, All right, that was I'm the first one. Uh, now, he may deal. or may not be telling the truth there. Okay. It, it is a skill that one of us has. And, look, whoever has this skill, you should probably find another one. But, uh, Michael, hit me with the second one. I can do this. When in a swimming pool, I can shoot a stream of water like a water pistol by just using my hand. <laughs> I'm glad you said hand. <laughs> that pause wasn't too long. <laughs> you, you kept us hanging there, Michael. <laughs> 
I thought there was too much of a good image to waste. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to roll over it. You, you were painting a picture there. That was, that was, that was, so, so this... Yeah, that also requires flexibility, by the way. Understand where the water's coming from. How is this happening? Well, you'll have to ask Michael a couple Michael of questions. And Michael okay. may or may not be the author of this skill, but he's going to pretend he is for the sake of these questions. Okay, so I'm having trouble understanding. It might be me. Um, you're in the water, you're emerging, and you can shoot out a stream of water from your hands. How does this happen? Um, you just <laughs> squeeze your hands together and water shoots out. <laughs> How did you learn that you could do that? Um, well, um, I was very young <laughs> and, and my brother was annoying me, oh. as always. Yes. So I got him right in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, I, these skills, circus worthy. So yes. far. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> so far. Only we could monetize them. <laughs> Run away to the circus. Uh, Adrian, hit me with your third one. Okay, okay. I can do this. I can put a barbecue shape on my forehead and jiggle it down to my mouth to eat it without touching it with my hands. <laughs> I, now, I presume I put my barbecue shape on my forehead to begin with, uh, you don't and then I let it go. So can you do this with other little snacks, like a twisty or anything? Or everything, everything. You give me a snack, uh, <laughs> and I'll put it on my forehead. What about a California roll? <laughs> Surprisingly easy, though, because they're rounded. They do a little uh, do a little jump off the nose and then you go and then you just, <laughs> like a like a brisketta, brisketta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful with the ones that sort of leave a source mark down <laughs> as as they go. That's the only problem with this skill of mine. What about a turkey leg? <laughs> Look, I haven't tried a turkey leg. That's a little that's a little larger than my uh, my normal fare, but um maybe I'll try that tonight, later on tonight. <laughs> Can you please show that? <laughs> I okay, have uh, no idea, but I'm just going to give it a crack. And give all right, a, a quick recap. Uh, Heath is claiming that he can literally put his foot in his mouth, all five toes. Michael <laughs> is claiming when he's in a swimming pool, he can shoot a stream of water like a water pistol by using his hand. And I'm claiming that I can put a barbecue shape on my forehead and jiggle it down to my mouth to eat it without touching it with my hands. Okay. So which, so. Where, is anyone telling the truth or uh, do you want to allocate these skills? Oh, I think you're all telling the truth. I think you're very weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lovable widows. Uh, so I reckon, Michael, you are the barbecue shape eater from the forehead. Oh, just because I've got a big forehead. <laughs> Hey, I've got a big forehead too. I'm from the big forehead family, so I'm thinking I actually might try it. After I feel this. I have the biggest forehead of you all. <laughs> I have got a fairly large forehead. It's uh, like the yeah. large forehead family here. Yeah. I'm going to try it with a lint ball after this interview. Yeah, although that would yeah. move rather quick. Yeah. Have to be quick. Okay, do you, do what, what do I okay, say? Okay, all right, so that's, just, my, that's allocated to Michael. We yep. won't reveal to you've allocated them all. I think the um, shoot a stream of water like a pistol out of your hands is heat. Oh, yes. And Adrian, I just think because you put your foot in your mouth literally and metaphorically, that has to be yours. Although I don't know that you'd be that flexible, but who knows? Surprise me. <laughs> For the listeners at home, I just put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> and Actually, it looks literally. so comfortable and natural. <laughs> I'm never eating again. <laughs> Whose foot is that really? <laughs> but the funny thing is, we're going to do the big reveal. Mm. I am not the one oh. that is known for putting my foot in my mouth. You must uh, be the barbecue-shaped person. Who is the person that can put their foot in their mouth? It's me. I'm not oh. known for it, but I can do it. Wow. Are you going to yeah, show us? Foot eater. Are you <laughs> gonna, my foot. Oh, my God. Wow. That's a giant. That is, I can. <laughs> but I could. That's I can, amazing. I can get it that high. We're okay. Wow. <laughs> that really looks like someone else's foot. It's definitely mine. Can everyone stop putting their feet in my foot? It's definitely my foot. <laughs> I wish wow. I'd cleaned mine. Mine, mine. Like, I could do with a bit of like a scrub. This week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Heath was the foot in the mouth. Wow. Oh. 
Very impressive, Heath. Before this interview, I had so much respect for you, Heath. Oh, well, this is not something I've done in a while, as I say. Uh, you just did it then. So. <laughs> well, I had to prove myself, didn't I? <laughs> so it I thought in the that in wrong. So, okay, the last two, the stream of water and the barbecue shape have to be Adrian or Michael. I think, I don't know. Adrian, you like a snack. I reckon I'm going to go, you have to be barbecue shape, man. Danny, I am the barbecue shape, man. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a barbecue shape there? Can you show us? Uh, have I got a barbecue shape? Of course I've got a barbecue shape. He's got give one me, in his give pocket. me one second. He's got one in his pocket. Oh, my God. He's actually got a barbecue shape. Surely. surely. <laughs> I brought my feet. He must have brought a barbecue shape. I did not bring a pool of water. Hey, he's got a barbecue shape. Oh, my God. They were so nearby. How I've did you? A, they I've were so nearby shapes. to you. Yeah, it's it's weird that I should have snacks in here in, in this it's study. It's just so really weird. unusual. Um, I thought you'd have a barbecue shape in your pocket. <laughs> okay, there's a shape. All right, so just for listeners, this is an audio medium. Adrian yeah. has a barbecue shape. He has taken off his blue Can you see that? Okay. lighted glasses and he's put it on his forehead and he's going to make see? it. Yes, we can see he's going to make it go down his face. It is currently traveling down past his nostril um, and going straight into his mouth. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. On the chair. Wow. Wow. Oh, that is disgusting. Um, It's quite. (laughs) Oh, oh, he did it. Quite a lot of tongue action there for those who couldn't see. Which was everyone. I really like how while you were doing that, we all started tilting our heads, too, <laughs> sort of willing you on. Wow. I mean, if you want to be a hit at parties, just learn how to do I mean, that. I've never been so impressed, really. <laughs> well, there you go. Danny, you got one out of three. Um, <laughs> Terrible. I'm not sure that's a pass. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I saw, you know, I'm glad I saw Heath put his foot actually in his mouth and Adrian do that. That was... I'm glad you saw that too. Now, it got me thinking about what my special skill is and the only thing I could think of. Do you remember Sizzler with the cheese toast? Do I ever? Mm -hmm. How could I not remember Sizzler? I was once challenged. I once challenged to eat as many cheese toasts as I could and I did six in one sitting. Oh, that's good. But did you put them on your forehead? I didn't. I I, I wish I did now. But that is my special skill. Six cheese toasts, one after the other. You can't break. Once you break, you're full. Amazing. Yeah, we're all pretty talented here. (laughs) The money we could make with these skills are a tour. That's amazing. (laughs) It's pretty pretty incredible, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, Well, Michael, um, I want to ask you a little bit about about the book in general. Um, and uh, that's right, it's a book. I forgot. That's right. Oh, this book. Yeah, that's right. Can you do this? So, Michael, bring it back to the book. And by when I say bring it back to the book, I mean I'm going to talk about all the other things you used to do before you became an author. Um, you used to be a radio broadcaster. Mm-hmm. You used to uh, be a television script writer and producer, a comedy writer, uh, a songwriter, and you played in a band that almost became famous. What? Uh, you've done heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of stuff. How does all that stuff, all that grab bag of jobs, all mushing together and create the man we have before us, the author we have before us, or did none of that influence you whatsoever and you just decided <laughs> one day I'm going to write a book? No, it definitely did influence me and and, and was all training, I think, for, for writing stories uh, because basically all of the things I did were had writing as their central thing, like writing comedy, writing songs for a band, um, writing for television, writing for radio. I was a broadcaster at the ABC for 12 years, 10 or 12 years, I can never quite remember, but um, every day I was writing. So I think that having that amount of years of writing, uh, it was really good preparation for becoming a children's author, author, you know, maybe, I think it was maybe 20 years ago, I think I wrote my first book. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I think that was all preparation for what I was eventually going to do. And because yeah. writing is actually really incredibly hard to do, especially long novels. Mm. It's, it, writing a novel is a, is a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think it was great that I had so many years of writing for a living um, so that the, the really daunting task of writing a novel was not so overwhelming when I sat down to do it, when I finally did sit down to do it. So, mm. yeah, I think it was all prep. And also the comedy leaks in, 
to the into the stories that I write and um, the television writing was really good because it forces you to write visually and I think that's a really great skill if you can write show not tell um, so writing visually was fantastic radio is great for learning how to write for the human voice yeah so to be read aloud I was a lot of what I wrote for many years was to be read by others yeah and um, and that was great to know how to write in a way that it's easy for another person to read. Mm. So it all feeds in. It all it all sort of comes together in in what I'm doing now. Yeah, and in 20 years, you just said, and you're over 80 plus, which is um, <laughs> books. Which is, books. Well, sorry, books. I keep forgetting. So you're over 80 plus books. <laughs> so I will has, correct my website. <laughs> has um has what you set out to achieve with your writing has it changed? Over the over the course of that twenty years of writing, uh, it has many times. Initially, you just all you wanted to do was be able to make a living. That was the objective, yeah. and the, it takes a long time. It takes years to to build the the books up to that point. That's what it starts with just getting a book published, first yeah. book published. That was by an educational publisher. Yeah, and then the the next goal is the first trade book published. And that came a few years later. Yeah. And then it's then it's to you know earn enough money from the books to or, or well start doing school visits. It was a terrifying prospect when you're starting out. It's like the thought of standing up in front of a classroom or even a school full of kids mm. and doing a one-hour presentation mm. was terrifying initially, but um, it's a great thing to do to supplement your income. Yeah. So it was good to to start doing that sort of stuff. So and then it, then it changes what you write. You know, initially I wrote the very small, very short, um, one thousand, two thousand word, very very short stories for middle readers. Then I wanted to write something more substantial, like a, the novels that I've written. And then I wanted to write picture books. It took me ten years to get my first picture book published. Yeah, right. Ten years as a published author yeah. to get my first picture book published. They're a whole different art. And, and now I'm writing more for young adult or possibly even adult as well, really? in amongst the other things I do. Right. Mm. So you've, you've pretty much, you've got uh, something in every genre. Well, that's, well, I will if I get, if I, if I, if I actually write a publishable novel for young adults. I've got one that's for tweens, probably, for 12, 13 year olds. And I, I'm hoping that this one I'm writing at the moment would be for 17. 16 17 year olds yeah, right. um, or maybe even for adults so um then i'll probably complete the set you know wow. of all ages up to adulthood you are the jackie my... french amongst us mm. yes the uh <laughs> the, yeah well yes i am i guess the jackie yeah. french yes i thought we were gonna say the jack of all trades oh that too <laughs> i think you're a man for all seasons mark <laughs> Heath, I wanted to ask you about I Want to Be a Pretty Princess. This is actually one of my favourite picture books and I bought it for my daughter specifically because I loved how the words and the images were complete in opposition to each other. So tell us about this the inspiration is a behind this. This is a classic. This, yeah. is, this is going back to uh, one, of the, one of the ones that put you on the map. I just <laughs> needed this book as soon as I saw it. I was like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. Tell us all about it. Fabulous. I'm glad you love it. It's lovely to hear. Because it was the first, it was the first proper picture book manuscript that got uh, over the line for me. Uh, and then there was another one that came like a week later, which was nice, but it was published first. So Pretty Princess came out second. But yeah. um, that's a side issue. It's, um, yeah, I'm glad you love it. And it is for, well, I wrote it for my daughter who wasn't born yet. She's the first child. We didn't know what she would be. But I um, wrote it on the assumption that maybe it will be a girl, and if it is a girl, this will be really appropriate for it. And the whole point of it was that, um, well, it's called "I Want to Be a Pretty Princess" and has a very, very pink cover. Mm. The idea is to sort of suck you in, and then as you read it, you realise it's all about not, you know, being a pretty princess isn't really that much job, and there are many more wonderful things you could be doing. So go and do them instead. Mm. So yeah, that was the general gist was that sort of I was concerned if I if I, I had not had a child before and if it was going to be a girl I was worried about the big wide world she was going to become a mm. part of. Mm. So I wanted to sort of write something that would uh, suggest to her that she can do whatever she wants, mm. uh, which is great. 
And, and that's what I loved. And I bought it when she was a baby too. So I thought, mm-hmm. yes, I want this into her brain. This is important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm very glad. Yep. <laughs> We've got that one too. Absolutely. The other thing we like about your work, Heath, uh, my, myself and my eldest daughter, is spotting mm-hmm. the Doctor Who references all the way through your books. They've faded away now, but for a while there, they popped up. I started, to, I eventually got to a book where it was so, it was very, very simple uh, illustrations. There wasn't much going on. It was very character-based and nothing much else. So there was, just wasn't a place to sneak something in without it being really out of place. So <laughs> I, uh, that sort of stopped it. It hasn't sort of happened since, but oh. um, I must creep something in again. Sometimes. So the Tassie Devils, they're not riding in a TARDIS? In, uh, <laughs> there, can you do nothing this? In the, no, they, the Tassie Devils have missed out. They have. I'll, I'll sneak something in again at some point and you just have to keep a keen eye. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. In a while, I'll creep something in. Yeah, yeah, just for you. Just for you. I appreciate that. I'm always looking out for it. When the right thing comes up, you'll see it and you'll know it's for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love that so much. Now, here's a question for you. I always ask our guests on the podcast this question. Michael, I'll start with you. Why do you write? And Heath, straight after, I'm going to ask why you illustrate. Why do I write? That's a really good question. Um, I write to express myself. Um, you know, Madonna in, style? In, sorry? <laughs> like Madonna? <laughs> just well, I'd express myself. Sorry, sorry <laughs> Michael, continue. Forget I said anything. I mean, yeah, just swap me away. <laughs> I express myself differently from Madonna. <laughs> Not that but differently. It's <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's just like... Um, I, I think um, I, uh, creativity, I think, is is play. So I, I like playing with language, playing with words and playing with ideas. So um, it's also an opportunity to subtly express your own concerns, sometimes to turn um, a negative experience of life into something positive. Um, I, I think creativity's got a really great therapeutic value in that regard. Even if it's not published, it's fantastic to... Um, to just get stuff out, you know, onto a page in some sort of format um, that's reasonably coherent, and then um, then it's out. It's not just bottled up inside. So yeah, it, it's to express myself, but also to because of the amount of play, it's so much fun to play with words and ideas. Mm. Mm. Great, I, Great I totally answer. agree, and I think it also it keeps mm. you. I don't know, it just keeps that side of you young and fresh and, and uh, you know, it's so easy as an adult just to get caught up in, you know, tax and, <laughs> and, and loans and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But if you allow yourself those time to play, and even if you're not doing it as a career, I, just, I don't know, it just I, I think it's good for mental health. I think so too. I think we can Absolutely. sometimes, but we grow up too much. Sorry, Heath, I spoke no, over you. But carry on. no, please carry on. I just I just I, concurred with that. <laughs> yeah, I just think sometimes we we actually grow up a little too much. And mm. you know, it's a bit of a shame if you lose that playful dimension to yourself completely. I think that's really that's really sad. Maybe mm. I've kept too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No, just the perfect amount, I'd say. I mean, Heath is still putting his feet in his mouth and Adrian's yeah, eating barbecue shapes from his forehead. You're safe. <laughs> just just don't take you to a pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all sorts. Heath, why do you illustrate, create, draw? Why indeed? I was just I was I've been thrown off by the um, barbecue shapes and the feet. <laughs> I know. That's Something really good was just me too. Up on the back of, but it's gone now. Uh, but no, that's all normal why? stuff, Heath. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do I? I don't know why. Look, I do it because I. Uh, the, the the initial beginning of the of the answer comes with my brain forming it in my head, and it starts at the base level. It's because I like to do it, mm. which isn't an amazing answer, but there's aspects of it that I like and I want to and I enjoy exploring all the time because not everything as an author you I guess you're not always depending on the job you're not necessarily sometimes if you're commissioned to write something you're not necessarily writing something that you're as passionate about as you could be uh, but by and large I think authors are able to pursue their passions and try and get those as Michael was saying that the, the explore ideas and feelings and, 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 and work through things through your work yeah. as an author whereas as an illustrator you're often Unless I'm not when I'm not talking about illustrating my own writing, 
but if I'm illustrating other people's work, it's it's a weird mix of sort of where you're doing what you're told in a way, mm. because well, here's the prescribed text that you have to work with. But then I enjoy, uh, particularly with picture books and things, I enjoy delving into um, how I'm going to interpret it. And that's a lot of what I think about. I enjoy figuring out how I'm going to show what's being said or as more importantly, what's not being said and what mm. I can tell through the illustrations. Mm. Um, so yeah, I enjoy doing that. And I, I do, I like following that little pursuit there. And I also enjoy experimenting with uh, my style because I, I kind of get bored drawing the same way all the time. And I have a style that I can't seem to shake that just creeps through all my work, but I try and produce things that look different and different looks that suit different stories. So I sort of go with that sort of different art styles. I mean, more specifically suit different stories. Mm. So I like to explore with those and they slowly evolve over time. If you, if you were to sit down and decide to analyze my work through the books I've done and the years they've been published, you'll notice little things come in and change and develop and techniques and even just to down to how I might draw fingers or, or fingernails will evolve and I've, I'm going to try and do it this way now. I'll draw noses this way now. And they're simple little things, but they're things I continually chip away at and explore to mm. develop in these characters. And the main thing I love about illustrating is it's kind of like you're directing actors, but you mm -hmm. have complete control over those actors. And so mm. it's so much fun um, getting, trying to get the best performance out of them you possibly can. Yeah. Whether it's a ridiculous performance or it's a, I like to sort of try and get a bit of sort of seriousness and heart in there as well mm. and, and get the mood right and get the emotion right. And sometimes that can be really, really difficult to nail the right emotion for the scene. But I can, I enjoy the continual pursuit of trying to get that right. Mm. It's, it's, it's largely all just about me continuing to just try and get it right and one day I'm not. <laughs> I love that no but I love that answer Heath because you started by saying I just like it and then when you started talking about it you could just see how much joy it gives you so that was a lovely answer yeah absolutely congratulations <laughs> on the awesome book it has you, been you. fun I have learned so much about yes. you three tonight yes. um sometime you know you things, that, things that I probably could have lived without knowing, oh. you know, <laughs> here we are. No, but thank you so much, Michael and Heath, for sharing so many wonderful, personal, interesting things with us and sharing your writing and illustrating lives with us. It's been fun. And um, also we've, we've got some really good insights as well, but I hope listeners had as much fun as I did because, you know, there were parts there that I, don't, I haven't laughed that much in a long time. So thank you. Thank you for bringing some joy, not only to the books that you create, but to the podcast as well. Oh, thanks, Danny. And thanks, Adrian. And thanks, Heath. Oh, look, thank you all too. Thank you, Michael, for, for having me on board for this book. I love it. I love it. It's vibrant, vibrant. The, co the cover screams vibrancy and colour and, and fun and then you go inside it and it continues which is good. <laughs> but we're very glad to be part of that and I'm very glad to be a part of this. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And congratulations on Can You Do This? We love it. <laughs> <laughs>